Welcome to the Enrollment Insights Podcast. In this podcast, our goal is to focus less on the promise of best practices and instead look for the processes and the questions that spark internal reflection and lead to novel solutions tailored to your institution. I'm Angela Brow, Senior Enrollment Insights Leader at Niche, and my guest for this episode is Jake Sturgis. Jake is the founder and CEO of Captivate Media, where he brings nearly 20 years of experience in education and strategic storytelling to the Captivate team. After working directly in school PR for over a decade, he launched a full-time business in 2014, and his work has garnered national attention, leading to multiple awards and public speaking engagements on visual storytelling and authentic student engagement. Jake, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to this. Same here. And I do want to give a shout out to the fabulous Andrea Gribble for connecting us at the Inspira Seminar over the summer. So Andrea, if you're listening, thank you. We appreciate you bringing us together so we could have this conversation. Now, before we get into our topic for today, we're going to have a great discussion about using students and and storytelling in schools. I want to start with our two questions that we ask every guest on the podcast. The first is, what is something that you tried that didn't work and what did you learn? Good question. I'm going to go back to when, well, when I was a kid, I always thought I wanted to be in television news and work in television news and be a, a reporter or anchor. And when I was going to college, I worked at the NBC affiliate in Duluth, Minnesota. And I worked as a producer. I worked as a production assistant, did a lot of different roles. And during my time there, I realized that television news wasn't what I wanted to do the rest of my life. I saw just like, you know, what reporters and anchors were getting paid in their hours and what that did did to their families and was kind of like second guessing uh, my career choice. And, And this thing that like I wanted, I felt like I wanted to do ever since I was a kid. And then having that realization, this isn't all that it's cracked up to be. <laughs> and this isn't, I listened to my gut. And I think that's one of the things that I learned at an early age is just like that internal voice. What I mean, I call it my gut. And I got out, I guess, relatively early in terms of, yeah, I think I worked, worked there for three or four years, which was great. I'm glad that I had that experience. There's a lot of lessons that I, that I can take from working in television news, but it was sort of letting go of something that I thought that I really wanted and for a very long time, but then realizing it's not for me and not the lifestyle that I was was looking for or the type of work and uh, was still able to obviously work in media and, and, and create video, which I love doing, but it wasn't in television news. And I can look back now, obviously, and say that I made the right choice. <laughs> well, and I, I know that that is actually a pretty natural career trajectory for people who make the transition to school PR. So there are probably lots of people who are going to hear this and nod their heads for that sure. probably had very similar experiences. So our next question on the standard list is what practices do you use to brainstorm and bring new ideas into your work? Yeah. So for me, like if it's if it's big picture stuff, it's important for me to to step away from my computer, step away from the office and just have some time carved out to think. And I just took some time off last week with my family and lo and behold, like I can't share it yet, but like I came up with what I think was a really good idea and wasn't like I wasn't set out to to brainstorm this, but sometimes I think our you know, our minds are obviously 
really strong and unique and um, they do they they work in ways that we have no idea and I wasn't even like setting out to to think about this idea that came up but I think it, it was really that that getting away from the office a bit to be able to um, to be able to just put some brain power and and use that in different ways to come up with uh, with different ideas I remember the the keynote speaker from Enspra on uh, I think it was the Monday Duncan Wardle. Yes, yes. He was asking about like, all right, think about the most places where you know where you the most creative, and you know people would say you know the shower or on a walk or in nature, and he made the the point rightfully so that like okay nobody said work like <laughs> nobody said that they were most creative when they're at work, and that was very memorable and and hit home for me and. It's it certainly rings true for me with, with with a lot of things. I can get inspiration and kind of brainstorm when I'm watching other videos or looking at different types of content. Uh, so there is a piece of of being in front of a computer, depending on kind of what it is that I'm looking to to brainstorm or to to ideate around. But many times for me, those those bigger picture things, those bigger ideas come when I least expect them, and it's when I'm not in when I'm not at work in front of my computer. <laughs> I think that that resonates with all of us. And that that was such a fabulous keynote, Duncan Wardle. He is active on LinkedIn. So if you don't follow him, please do, because you'll get some of the brilliance that he shared with us at Inspira on a day-to-day on -day basis through that channel. But I think that's a great lesson for all of us. You know, take that walk, keep a notebook next to your bed if you're someone who tends to have yeah. great ideas when you're falling asleep. I'm guilty of that. I'm also very guilty of the shower thoughts moment. So, <laughs> you know, if you're if you have other places where the ideas come, don't fight that. That's definitely it's coming and it's okay. Brainstorming doesn't have to be formal. And it's important to give yourself permission to do that. And to, I mean, sometimes people think that, well, I've got to like I'm working, so I've got to be like physically at work. And I think it's important for us as people to know that, but also for supervisors to be able to give that space for people to be able to take, yeah. take them up on that and to be able to be creative and be non-traditional maybe in some of their ways uh, in terms of uh, supervising and managing and just giving uh, people a little bit of freedom to be able to brainstorm and, and, and think, of, think of new ways to do things. Yeah, that's great. Great advice. So now we're going to jump into the topic at hand, starting with a little bit of, of insight into the type of work that you've been doing with this Voices framework. So you do a lot of different things at Captivate Media, but in this episode, we're focusing on the Voices framework. So I'd love for you to share just an overview of what that is, what it means, and some of the types of internal challenges that lead schools and districts to reach out to you for that help. Yeah. So in terms of like how all of this started, it was in, uh, I think it was 2015. It was shortly after the unrest that took place in Ferguson, Missouri. Mm -hmm. And there was a school district that uh, I was working with and their, especially their black students wanted to have a conversation about race. And there are some issues going on at school that they wanted to talk about. And the administration and teachers were not ready to have those conversations the way that the students wanted to have the conversations. So what we did is we we interviewed students. I think we talked to about a dozen different students at the school about their experiences, some of the inequities, some of the things that were taking place in classrooms, some things that I think teachers were doing many times unintentionally that was making the learning environment not as great as it could be for for students so we spent 
like a half hour or 45 minutes with about a dozen students. And then I edited that into a video that was somewhere between 15 and 20 minutes long. So this was not a public facing video. This was an internal professional development video that we took department to department and had facilitated conversations with staff. So the student stories, their vulnerability, their courageousness in sharing many of these things really opened up some conversations, uh, meaningful conversations that led to change within that specific school. So one of those, one of the things that changed was homework help time. And many students talked about before school, their transportation and other barriers that prevented them from getting to school at seven or seven thirty in the morning to get uh, extra homework help. So staff was able staff heard that loud and clear and came together and proposed to the administration. What about lunchtime? Can we change this? Can we change our homework help time to lunchtime to be able to help support more of our students at a time where, where they're able to access it more? So I mean, I think really through that the voices framework was was born. And we know that every student has a story. They have, a, have ideas, they have experiences, they have a vision for what their school can and should be. And the Voices Framework is a school improvement model to address what we call the perception gap between students and adults. And what I mean by that is there are, there are certain terms or definitions that I think students and staff sometimes think that they're on the same page on, and, and sometimes they are, but many times they're not. So within our work, we've heard that many staff members think that giving a student a fist bump at the beginning of every class means that they've got a relationship with every student. And then we hear from students that that fist bump, like, you don't even know my name. You call me, hey, bud, every time I walk by, <laughs> you know, call me by name, ask me questions about the different activities that I'm, that I'm involved in, about maybe my family and get to know me as, a, as an individual, as a human. And that's what a relationship looks like to me. In another school that we worked in, the topic that we covered was around relevance and students being able to apply what teachers were teaching to their everyday lives. And they did a survey. This was a high school. And 54% of students thought what they were learning was relevant. And 91% of teachers thought what they were teaching was relevant. Ooh. So perception gap. And the principal at the school could have just had a staff meeting, shown that, you know, like put up a slide to show the data. Okay, all right, we've got an issue here. Um, you know, 91% of you think what you're teaching is relevant, but only 54% of students think what they're learning is relevant. And most people, I think it's human nature, kind of deflect that and say, well, that's not me. Like I'm in the right here. What I'm teaching is really relevant. It's the math <laughs> department or someone else down the hall that is not being relevant in what they're teaching. And we interviewed students, we talked to them about relevancy and what they were learning in school. And they started talking about things like Pythagorean theorem and iambic pentameter. And in mm. social studies class, uh, when you introduce a lesson, I understand you were kind of why you're teaching it, but two or three weeks into the unit, like I've forgotten how this applies to my everyday life. So department by department, students shared experiences and stories that really hit home with these teachers and kind of, I call it a mirror moment when you kind of, kind of, you've got to look in the mirror and yeah. see like, oh, there are some <laughs> things that I could be doing that are better. Like I haven't intentionally been trying to, you know, create an environment for students that hasn't, you know, that isn't positive, but there are things, there are ways that I could be better at my craft and the better at teaching. 
And that was transformational for that, for that school to get people to change some of their thoughts and behaviors. And that's the, um, I think with the work that we do, some of the most difficult work in schools is changing adult mindsets and getting people mm-hmm. to think differently about maybe ideas or beliefs that they've held for a really long time. And sometimes those are great. Sometimes they need to be examined and looked at. And that's part of some of the work that we do as we, you know, we're looking to ampl- amplify authentic, unfiltered, emotional stories from students that help transform adult mindsets. And in terms of topics, I mean, everything from diversity, inclusion, student engagement, achievement, and lately mental health. And post-pandemic, I think there's just about every school uh, has experienced some issues in terms of uh, student mental health and are trying to figure out ways to address those issues. And I think one of the first ways, first things to do is, is to listen to your students. And us as adults can have ideas of ways that we can make the school experience better. But I think that we've got to go to the experts. We've got to go to the students who are the ones that I think we can really learn a lot from. Yeah, that's, that's very powerful. And I, I do think that a lot of the time as communications professionals, we think a lot about the parents, the caregivers, their needs, but the students are the ones that are experiencing what's happening every single day. And there, no one knows better than they do, right? And so to the extent that it's age appropriate and, and works within your environment, there is a very strong case to be made about taking some time out of the day-to-day to think about how you're going to engage students in getting feedback and getting some insights into some issues that you may not even know exist. I think that, sure. that relevance piece is really especially right now with some data that's come out to show that we're having a little bit of a tough time in in the K-12 system with some learning losses and some challenges that have are really starting to make themselves known as we move through the pandemic to a stage where it feels like the start of a little bit more of a normal school year, but we've got some lingering issues that we definitely have to address. For sure. So if you are going through this process, how can a communications leader position this kind of work internally so that they can get some buy-in for for moving forward? So once the issue or the question has been identified, what are some steps that you would recommend taking so that they could really start to lean into doing this kind of work with student voice? Yeah, well, I mean, I think every school has issues. I mean, whatever those issues may be, right? I I haven't come across a school that doesn't have some sort of issue that they're trying to deal with. And we all know when issues aren't addressed, they can become larger problems and even more time consuming, especially for communicators that have to work through communicating through those issues. So in terms of, you know, getting the buy-in and working internally, obviously relationships with with other departments, uh, this is part communications. You know, this is part in, so, in some schools, equity, mm-hmm. in some schools, teaching and learning, finding your people and, and working together to come up with, to really move this forward. And there's a lot of different steps and there's a lot of buy-in that's needed. I think both at, at a, uh, if you're in a school district at a district level, but then also at a school level, there needs to be buy-in on both sides. We've, we've worked with schools where there's been 
larger buy-in from the superintendent. But then when, once we get to the principal at a high school, you know, the buy-in isn't there. And that's a, that's a really important piece for this. I think it's also rooting this work in existing strategic work that the district's already doing. We yeah. don't want this to be one more thing. We want this work to help align with your st strategic plan or different uh, initiatives that the school is looking to push forward that maybe they're facing some resistance on. Maybe there are issues internally with staff. Maybe it's a hot button issue with the community. And at the end of the day, I believe this work is consumer research and it's listening to students. And for whatever reason, businesses typically do this really well, where they're talking to their, their end users, their customers, their clients. But in schools, for what, like we, we don't talk to students nearly enough. And they have been, especially students in high school, I mean, they've been doing research for the last 10, 11, 12 years in the school system. And they have experiences and they have ideas of ways to make things better. And I think us as adults can have ideas in our heads of ways to make things better. But if we don't talk to students about those, I think we're really losing out. And I think we know that there are many issues in education that we've been trying to solve for a very long time. And that we've had the smartest people in the country and in the world who have all sorts of education uh, and letters either before or after their names. <laughs> and we, there are still issues, still major issues, especially when it comes to uh, achievement. And I believe students are part of the solution. And it's not just all on the students, it's adults and students coming together and mm -hmm. working together on solutions to help make our schools function better. And when we can do that, and when students feel like they're more invested in their education, they feel more safe and welcomed, students are going to be able to retain and attract these students with a, with a school culture that's hopefully really attractive to people both on the inside and on the outside. And to be able to start some of those, start to see some of those uh, metrics and some of those things change, like test scores and achievement data. But first, it starts with relationship, I believe. And this work really helps build those relationships and build that understanding and that, and that empathy between adults in the school and students. I love that. I think we talk a lot about how we can collaborate with our colleagues, but we don't necessarily look at, or the, you know, the school home partnership, right, between teachers and administrators and parents and caregivers. But again, it, we can't overlook the opportunity to connect more meaningfully with the students. And it can be hard. I mean, it sounds easy on the outside, but what's best for students isn't what's always best for adults. Yeah. And I was just talking with a school that just changed their school start times and uh, they, they pushed them back later because there's, there's a lot of data in terms of brain development, especially among middle school students of, of, of giving them more time to sleep. Yeah. And so that's, I believe, a, a decision that's great for students. Staff at the school, they're upset. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they, used to, they used to be able to leave at three o'clock and yeah. now they need to stay later. And that's changing some things in their lives in terms of maybe it's childcare pickup, maybe it's other activities that they had scheduled in the afternoon. So again, I mean, we can talk really nicely about you know, we all want to do what's best for students, but it's it's really um, it takes leadership for that when that rubber 
meets the road. Mm -hmm. And when there are some hard decisions and when there is pushback from students or parents or staff members in terms of some of those decisions and what's, you know, what really is best and they can be difficult. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, we do not want to understate the challenges that (laughs) exist in in doing this as noble of a cause as it is. it, It can be very difficult. As you start going down this path and you are trying to ascertain your approach to to recording one of these videos, what types of questions do you typically ask school leaders at the beginning of a student voice project? Yeah, we really want to try and find focus at the beginning because there's so many things that we can be talking to students about. Is it about school start times? Um, Is it about (laughs) equity? Is it about mental health? Is it about relevancy? And it's important to find that focus as a leader because when we're asking questions of students, we want to have a conversation around what district leaders, I mean, where they want to move the needle and where do they need help just gaining empathy and understanding from adults. So we help them find focus uh, of, of what that looks like. We know in, in pretty much any environment that we go into, there are going to be people that are going to be cheerleaders of this work. I mean, call it a third of people that are going to want to push work forward. There's a third of people that, you know, that, you know, there's an issue and there's probably something that we should be doing to resolve this. And there's roughly a third of people not really seeing an issue and needing to hear from others in terms of their experience and to better understand kind of what's going on and hopefully be able to empathize a little bit in terms of where things are at. So we take all that kind of into consideration and we're, um, we do a lot of work up front to listen, to get building and district staff on board if it's a, if it's a larger school district, and also working with them to, uh, to help select students. And I can talk a little bit about that if we want to. Yeah, I think that's, that's a great segue actually into how you go about choosing students or supporting school leaders and selecting students for these projects. This is one of the most important pieces because if you don't have the right students selected, your 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 project is not going to be as good as it possibly could be. And I also think you need a story on how you selected students because people are mm. always going to ask, "Well, yep. how did you pick these? Were, were these like how did you cherry pick these students?" And it's important um, because. When people see some of, sometimes when they see this work, they want to deflect it and they want to say, well, well, these are just those students that you, that you picked. And mm-hmm. we work with schools to, to identify a group of students who, um, whose voices typically aren't amplified. So that could be around race, it could be around sexual identity, uh, students with disabilities. We want students who excel at school, but we also want students where academics are are difficult and they maybe barely show up to school. We want to hear their stories and perspectives. So there's a number of different students that we want to put together any type of video to get a, a good variety of voices and to be able to hear different perspectives and stories. And again, those those stories that we we hope resonate with staff and maybe the stories that staff typically wouldn't hear. We never want to create a video where we show it to a, a group of staff members and then they say, well, I, are, I already knew it all. Like I, I already heard all of these stories. And we want to make sure that we're getting stories from students that aren't necessarily the ones that you would think about putting into a, a promotional video for the school or <laughs> sitting in the front row and they always raise their hand to volunteer for things like this. We really push school leaders to to dig deeper than that. 
And that's not something that we do as a, as a outside company coming in. I think it's important for the schools to leverage the relationships mm-hmm. and whoever has the stronger relationships with those students and having, having one kind of core person at a school kind of help put together a list, but then having the people, whether that's a guidance counselor or a principal or a dean or a teacher or a coach or advisor, then reach out to the students to be able to uh, help explain this project to them a little bit. And then for them to be able to understand that. And then many times have a conversation at home with a parent or caregiver. We want to make sure that they're on, on board with all of this as well. And that they have an understanding of, of the project and, and the work that we're doing. That's great. And are, are, are students typically fairly responsive <laughs> to these requests? Because I know that that can be a challenge sometimes. Yeah. I mean, it's been a, that's been a kind of an eye-opening piece for me that there are so many students who like, they want their voice to be heard and amplified, that they have things to share. And most students who are asked to be a part of this, take their school leaders up on the invitation. And last year, there was a student who, um, it was one of those students who barely shows up to class. And we, I got a, a message from the uh, principal during the day that, uh, uh, sorry, Jake, this student's uh, not in school today and um, we're going to have to to skip their interview. Well, they showed up just for the interview because they wanted their voice to be heard wow. and to hand in their prom slip. So there were, <laughs> there, were, there were two things that they wanted to accomplish and they didn't go to any classes that day, uh, but they felt so strongly that they wanted to be part of this this project and for their voice to be heard that they showed up to school. And to me, that that speaks volumes. That's huge. I think it's good for people to keep that in mind that you probably have students who are very anxious to share their perspectives with you. They just need to be given the opportunity. Yeah. And I think students always surprise me. And sometimes you're having a conversation and you're, you're, you're hearing stories and perspectives and a courageousness and vulnerability that you would have never expected. And this is heart work and it's hard work. And Mm -hmm. Most professional development in schools starts, I believe, with with uh, at your head with data and statistics and numbers, which are great. And I think I'm, I'm not saying that those aren't needed in schools, but when we can start with the heart, with empathy, understanding, that I believe then that goes to your head, and minds and mindsets are then shifted and then can can change. So. We start at the heart to move the mind. That's one one of our little mottos, and I think that's uh, that's really what differentiates this type of work. And I think that's the type of work, especially right now, that many of our our teachers and staff needs. And it, yeah. it's it's hearing stories and and hearing perspectives that maybe you've made assumptions along the way, but hearing those individual stories are incredibly powerful and meaningful, especially when they're your own students. I mean, it's one thing if it's a video on YouTube with a bunch of high school students that you don't know. It's another thing where it's it's honestly sort of a gut punch for some for some adults when they're hearing from students that that they know and love and respect about mm-hmm. ways that they could these adults could be more present and make more of an impact for them and for other students in the school. So once a video is done, we talked about how these are tend to be longer form videos. So these are not the types of things that you're throwing up on social. You know, these are they tend to be longer, more internal professional development videos. What are some of the ways that schools and districts have used these or shared them out once the projects are done? Yeah, I mean these these turn out to be almost like mini documentaries. I mean they're like they're 15 to 20 minutes in length and part of the reason of that 
is we want to make sure that we're able to authentically tell the stories of students. And in a two-minute marketing video, you can't do that. And one of the things that we really hold near and dear is making sure that every student who participates in the interview process has a part in the video. We would never want a student to think that their voice doesn't matter or they got cut because right. their story wasn't good enough. So we want to make sure that the, the number of students is small enough that we can have, have everybody represented, but also large enough that there's enough students to represent that school. So in terms of distribution and once this is all done, and I should add here too that students get final edit on these videos. One of the, one of the worst things that could happen is if we were to create a video, it gets out there and staff starts to, to watch it, and then students see that afterwards and then are like, you twisted my words or you edited things in a way that that wasn't representative to to my story and what i was trying to share and we want to make sure that students know that from the from the beginning as a way to build trust in terms of their interview and what they're sharing and to make sure that if a staff member comes in and thanks them for being part of the video that they've seen it they know what story they shared and they know when someone comes up to them and asks them questions where that's coming from so typically these videos are 15 to 20 minutes in length and we uh, we use them in a facilitated session. So these are groups of maybe 15 different staff members in a school. We want to we want to create an environment that's big enough but small enough that everybody who wants to speak has an opportunity to speak. Mm -hmm. uh, this is not a video to play at a staff meeting, check it off the box and then have everybody kind of go back to whatever they were doing. Because one of the I think one of the amazing things with this is that everybody Everybody watches that same 15 to 20 minute video, but everybody sees it through a different lens. And we all have different life experiences and different things that we're bringing in. And we, we infer different things. We hear different things from and kind of reading between the lines of, of students sometimes. And that's important to unpack. And that's part of the facilitated conversation is talking through that and talking about the students' experiences and, and hopefully empathizing and, and better understanding some of what they've, what they've shared. We've had schools then take that content and then create that into smaller, I call it pillar content that's maybe addressing a specific need or intervention that's then used in uh, professional learning communities or whatever that may look like in a school. So maybe it's a three or five minute video that is kicking off a PLC that's rooted in student voice and taking people back. And when we're talking to 12 or 15 students for 45 minutes each, there's a lot of content that we have. So there's a lot of, of, I think, really rich learning opportunities that go that's beyond that original 15 to 20 minute video that we're helping schools create that content. Again, even more focused and than the original content that can be used for those, uh, for those PLCs. So this is internal work, at least to start with. We've created shorter kind of trailer versions for schools to be able to share this more broadly with their community. Of course, getting permission from students before sharing that. But the main content that, that we create is, um, is really meant for internal. And most schools, I mean, it's teachers, it's paraprofessionals, it's bus drivers, it's nutrition service workers, it's, it's anybody who has interaction with students for them to be able to, to meet with their colleagues, to be able to hear and understand student perspectives and stories better, and then be able to, uh, to create some ideas and plans on how to move the work forward.
That's great. I, I think internal communications is, is sort of the, it gets neglected a little bit because we, we focus so much on the externally facing things. And then sometimes we encounter these challenges that are very tough to navigate. And so this provides a really great solution for that. And I love the idea of using some of these larger pieces of content and chopping them up so that you can repurpose it in different ways. Because there's, as, as you noted, there's so much great content that you can get from these longer videos with the students that it definitely makes it that much worthwhile if you can kind of 10x it for by sure. creating smaller, smaller pieces of content from the broader video. Before we wrap up and we share where people can find you online, I'm going to hit you with a question that we didn't talk about as we were planning, but I would love if you could share, if you have one, if you have a favorite project that you've done thus far. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'll just say that this work has been the most transformational in terms of me as a human being in my career. And to be able to sit across from students, many times I'm, I'm the one asking questions and to be able to, for them when they're sharing things that they've sometimes never shared with anybody else in school is truly an honor. And that's something that I don't take lightly. We all have these stories and we all have these experiences. And at the end of the day with this work, I think the piece that comes out loud and clear is the importance of relationships and what we as adults can be doing without any more professional development, without any more money. When we notice that a student gets a, a new haircut or a new pair of sneakers or whatever it is, when they feel seen, that is so, it's so basic. But for many of these students walking around, maybe with their hood up and AirPods in and, and, and adults thinking, well, this person's checked out. All of these students are, are I believe are craving some sort of connection. And, um, I think that's, that's part of our, part of our work. And I hope part of the work through the voices framework is each individual seeing the, their individual power that they can have, because I think so many times we look at these systemic issues that are facing schools and we, they're just too big. Like, what can I do as a person? And I believe they're, there are systemic things that need to change, but there are individual things that we can all do. And imagine if every staff member in a school started truly seeing students and building really strong relationships with students, what that could do for a school environment. That's incredible. And it's it's just as necessary with your youngest students as it is with your older students. You know, teenagers sure. need in some ways they need it more. <laughs> they need they need that attention, they need that acknowledgement and that connection and that's a that's a perfect place for us to end. So Jake, if people want to connect with you online, learn more about Captivate, see some videos, where where can people connect with you? Yeah, uh, captivatemedia.us/voices will take you right to our voices framework page. Um, there's more information there. We've got a couple videos. Most of the videos that we have are are not public, and that's intentional because of the trust that right. we've built with students. These aren't videos that we can just put out on the web for everybody to see. <laughs> there are a few videos that I've got permission from students to be able to share in smaller groups. So if I if someone is interested in in having a conversation and and doing a, a Zoom call, there are a couple videos that I'm able to show that way. Um, but we've also got a, a six episode podcast on the site which are really case studies from districts, large and small, urban and rural. I don't think that this work has any boundaries in terms of the type of school that could use this. 
Um, yeah. We've worked with some very small schools. We've worked with some really big schools. So captivatemedia.us slash voices on Twitter at underscore Jake Sturgis. And then um, if someone wants to be old school and email me, <laughs> jake at captivatemedia.us is, uh, is my email address. Perfect. Perfect. I would, I'll, I'll put in a plug for those podcast episodes too, because they're fabulous. There's, there's a lot of really good stuff there and it really gives you an idea of the incredible work that you're doing. So thank you so much for joining us for this episode. And I'm looking forward to seeing more from you guys over the course of the next school year. Awesome. Thank you so much.